Um, why don't I read it for you, starting at verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. By signs, he means Jesus has been performing miracles in public. Um, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. It's interesting, isn't it? What are they getting on about here? Do you celebrate birthdays? We like to celebrate birthdays. There's some birthdays that are special, aren't they? I remember um, in our culture, turning 18 is a big deal. I, I remember my 18th birthday very well. I had two plans for the day. There's two things I wanted to accomplish. First, I wanted to open my own account at Video 2000. <laughs> I wanted a card with my name on it. Video 2000 was a business that still existed back then. I suppose I've just dated myself a little bit. And then the other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to walk into a pub and get carded at the front door and to show my ID and be let in. And so I and a group of friends went to the Sanford Tavern on my birthday, on my 18th birthday. I had my driver's license ready to go. I think it was my driver's license. And we get to the front door and the guy's like, you're good, go in. I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. You need to, you need to ask me for my ID. He's like, no, you're good, go in. I'm like... It's my birthday, please ask me for my ID. He's like, get away, go in. He just refused, absolutely refused to look, and I never got carded. So I got one of those two things done that day. I think it was the long beard that, that sort of did it. What is it that we're celebrating on a birthday? Well, it seems obvious, doesn't it? We are remembering the day of our birth. As a family, uh, my family, we've just welcomed our daughter into the world a few weeks ago. It's an event worth remembering. It's a significant day. It turns out that my wife, Elise, is an absolute hero. I stand in awe of what she accomplished on that day. And I stood in traumatized awe on the day when it was happening. We remember the day of our birth. But in John 3, Jesus says something to us which is shocking about birthdays. I'm sure you saw it when we read before. He says, you must be born again. Born again. You and I, we've been born once, I assume. And you and I, according to Jesus, need a second birth. Just as the life that you are living right now was a gift given to you by God, so this second birth is going to be a gift given to you by God. It's a thing which comes to us from above. Uh, and if we could get our head around just these two things today, these um, simple but profound things, then I think we're getting ahead around what Jesus is trying to say to us. The first point is this. Jesus is telling us, you must be born again. And the second thing that he's here to tell us is that you can be born again. You must be born again. That's the first thing that Jesus tells us. There was a famous evangelist in the 17th century, a preacher by the name of George Whitfield. I like George. He's a good guy. Um, he was said to have preached on this passage 3,000 times in his life. 
on the call of Jesus that you must be born again. Um, For context, that would be the equivalent of us preaching on that passage here at church every week for 57 years. I'm going to guess that he preached more than once a week to get that done. The story goes that at one point during his life, someone came up to him and asked him why on earth he keeps preaching on the you must be born again passage. And he stopped and he looked at the man and he said, because you must be born again. Let's dig into that story and see what's actually going on here. I'll remind you, verses 1 and 2. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So here we're introduced to Nicodemus. He's an important character. Um, This guy, Nicodemus, we're told, is a Pharisee. He's a ruler of the Jews. Um, Now, throughout the rest of the life of Jesus, we'll see many times that Jesus goes on the warpath against the Pharisees. They were some of his biggest opponents. Um, They were his biggest opponents, not because they were a-religious or irreligious, but because they were self-righteously religious. They saw him as a threat to their position and their power, and they had a way of using the Bible as a weapon to crush people and to gain power for themselves. They, They were brutally religious. Um, but from what we know about this guy, Nicodemus, he's, he's bucking the trend. Whilst he's a member of the club, uh, he's a bit different. He appears, even as a Pharisee, to have a sincere desire to do what is right, and he's noticed that something is special about Jesus. Further down in verse 10, Jesus is going to call him the teacher of Israel. So, so imagine this man who is a man with incredible influence in the religious life of Jerusalem and Judea, uh, and yet someone who's also afraid of losing all of that. So he comes to Jesus at night in secret, so his mates wouldn't know he was coming. Isn't that great? And he asks Jesus his questions. There's something going on with this man. He's seen the signs. He suspects that Jesus has been sent from God, but until he gets answers to his questions, he's going to ask his questions in secret. Actually, here at church, we've had a lot of people come visiting recently who've been doing their research on the internet before they rock up at church. Maybe they're a bit like Nicodemus. A Bible teacher, a theologian, a little bit conflicted. So he comes to Jesus at night and he basically says something along the lines of, look, we know you come from God. I think you might be the real deal. Explain yourself what's going on. And Jesus gives him a lesson. He says to him in verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's worth reading again, actually. That's that's so massive. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this morning, I need you to feel the weight of those words. These words are the definition of what Christian faith is. This, is. this is understanding what God is all on about in your world. This is a matter of eternal destination. This is a matter of incredible urgency unless one is born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. How do we see the kingdom of God? We have to be born again or else we cannot. It's the absolute condition It is the immovable entry point. It is the necessary beginning. 
You, you may have heard this idea of born-again Christians being bandied around. It does get used sometimes, usually with a heap, without a heap of comprehension of what it actually means. Um, sometimes because of the way culture goes, um, it's been attached to politics, for example, which has clearly got nothing to do with what Jesus is talking about here. Um, Jesus is the first person to use this language, and so Jesus gets to define it, right? What is a born-again Christian? A born-again Christian is not a type of Christian. That's the first thing that we need to know. A born-again Christian is a Christian. It's, it's like saying wet water. They mean the same thing. There is no other type of Christian. How could that be? Because in the words of Jesus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do we feel that connection? Nicodemus is our guy in this situation. Uh, because like us, he's listening to that and going, okay, I understand the rule, I understand how it works, what on earth is born again? And so he asks Jesus. (laughs) Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nick's confused, and we're, we're glad that he is, because he's asking the obvious questions. Jesus I'm not so certain that mum would be totally keen on this, right? (laughs) Can you imagine that conversation on the phone? Mum, I've been talking to Jesus, and uh, this is going to get weird. But there's a thing I need to do. No, that's that's not what's going on here. So what exactly, Jesus, are you trying to say? Jesus doubles down. He says it again in verse 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus adds that word, Water in there, he just confuses everybody. There's so much debate about what he means by that one word. Um, It's it's not super-duper clear. The spirit part is clear. We know what that means. Um, But Jesus goes on to explain in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We're going to need a second birth of the spirit or from the spirit. What does the water part mean? Well, let me tell you what I know it doesn't mean. It does not mean baptism. That's not what we are doing today. Because we are told again and again in the Bible that we are not saved by anything that we do. Baptism doesn't save a person. That's not what makes a person a Christian. The thief who was crucified on the cross next to Jesus, Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. They didn't then pull the nails out of his hands and feet and pull the guy down and dunk him in the Jordan and then put him back on the cross for him to die later that day. That's not how that story went. When Jesus says born of water, I mean, the two main schools of thought is that he's either referring to the waters of physical birth, you're going to be born a first time, and then you're going to be born of the Spirit, or perhaps he's using a metaphor for the Holy Spirit, which has some some imagery drawn from the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel. That one could work as well. Um, actually, it's worth, it's worth looking at that prophecy in Ezekiel because it is actually a pretty profound description of what we're talking about when it comes to being born again. So several hundred years before Nicodemus had come to talk to Jesus, God had sent a prophet named Ezekiel to speak to the nation of Israel on his behalf and explain what he was going to do in the future. Uh, in Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27, God had promised, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 
And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Isn't that incredible? Ezekiel was talking about the exact same reality that Jesus was talking about to Nicodemus. There is going to be a miraculous new birth. A new birth in which we are washed clean, forgiven, in which we are given a new heart, born from the Spirit of God, making His home in us. There is a promise that one day God is going to make people alive with a new life force running through their veins that wasn't there before this encounter with God. Back to John 3, verse 7. Jesus says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. (laughs) Listen, these, these words to Nicodemus are words which matter to us today. Because if Nicodemus, who is a knowledgeable, gifted, prestigious Bible teacher, cannot enter God's kingdom, then what hope is there for the rest of us? In this story, Nicodemus stands for every single one of us on our very best day. And Jesus is saying to us that not even this guy will see the kingdom of God without the miracle of the new birth. Jesus is saying to us that no one, bold, italic, underline, no one will enter into the kingdom of God. No one will receive eternal life. No one will be reconciled to the God who made them. No one will be made right with him by just being better people. That's not what this is about. No one enters the kingdom of God by trying harder. Have you tried to motivate yourself to become a better person by simply trying harder? How familiar is that? That's not the way in. No one enters the kingdom of God by turning over a new leaf. That was yesterday. Today's a new day. Let's have another run at it. Second chance times one million. No one enters the kingdom of God because they finally figure it out. Make some positive change in their life that they've been struggling to make. On your very best day, when you're absolutely killing it, when you're doing the best that you've ever done, and on your worst day, when everything that you've said or done that day just makes you red-faced with embarrassment and shame, on those two days, the only way to see or to enter the kingdom of God is to be someone who has been born again. Somebody who has received a miracle. It's not a thing to do. It's not a to-do list. Can we, can we nail that any more clearly? It is an experience which is received from outside of yourself. Christianity is not a do-better-try-harder religion. It's not a list of rules. It is the gift of of a new kind of life, which is enabled by the power of God himself flowing through your veins. It's supernatural. The Christian faith is a miracle from beginning to end. It's about becoming a new kind of person because you have been transformed spiritually. And Jesus is saying to you today that the one thing that you need most in this world is not something that you can do for yourself. Look, whether it's your first time in church today or whether you've been coming here for 20 years, 60 years or 70 years, you must be born again. 
to see the kingdom of God. You must. We have a, a good example coming up. Um, let, me, let me pick on you for a moment, Jake. Can I say, I think this is exactly what's happened to Jake recently, right? You can see it, can't you? This is, this is a new man. This is not the guy he was six months ago. Something has changed fundamentally in what he loves. And it's not merely his beliefs that have changed. It's not some behavior tweaks here and there. Something way down deep has happened to this man. Something miraculous. What has happened is that the Holy Spirit has got hold of him, has changed him. He's a new creation. There is a new life that has come about through the work of God. He's going to tell us all about that very soon. 2 Corinthians, another, another book in the Bible, tells us this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That is the miracle of the new birth. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you need to be born a first time. You need to exist. You need to exit mum. And then you need to be born a second time. You need to receive this miracle from God as his spirit comes to make his home in you. And so you must be born again. Here's the next thing that you need to know. You can be born again. That's what Jesus wants you to know. You must be born again, and you can be born again. When Jesus says you must be born again, it's not, it's not a taunt. He's not teasing you with something that he knows that you need, and he's never going to give you. That's not what's going on. He is rather inviting you into that miracle. The whole point of life, the answer to the meaning of life is not going to come from inside you. It's not going to be a thing that you do. It's going to come to you from the hand of God. Just like in your physical birth, you need to receive that gift of new life from someone else. And Jesus wants you to know that today you can have that miracle. You can be born again. Here's how. This is what he wants you to know. I'm going to give you three steps because everything's got to have good steps, right? It's clarity of communication, they call it. Get honest, receive Jesus, pray for the Spirit. This is how it's received. First, get honest. Being born again starts by getting honest about who we are. Let's admit together before God our need for Him. That's step one. Accepting, this is part of it, a necessary part of it, accepting that deep down, that there is something broken in us, something stuck, which means that we just, from our nature up, don't live life the way that the God who made us designed it to work. There is something wrong in humans. Don't we see that all over the world at the moment? That's true of each one of us sitting in this room today. Step one comes from humbly accepting who we are as people. And that step is going to open you up to receiving from God in new ways. It's going to prepare you to receive and to walk in the power that he supplies. Secondly, you need to receive Jesus. That's what we read just one page earlier in John 1, whereas we didn't read it, but it was two pages before what we're reading in the Bible. Explaining the life of Jesus to us, the Apostle John said in verse 11, that he, Jesus, came to his own, his own people, 
and his own people did not receive him, they crucified him. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of a man, but of God. To be a child of God is to be born of God. This comes to those who receive Jesus and believe in his name. There is no life with God without the new birth. And there is no new birth without a deep shift in our faith, in ourselves, away from ourselves and onto Jesus. Jesus would go on to say to Nicodemus in the most famous verse in the Bible, in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is foreshadowing the end of the life of Jesus, where he would die on the cross at the first Easter, as the sacrifice for our sins. And he would rise again from the dead, having defeated sin and death, so that you and I might receive forgiveness and this gift of new life on the basis not of what we have done, but what he has done. Could this be any clearer? We don't earn it. We receive it. It comes from outside of us. I get honest, I admit to God that I need him, that I'm making a mess of it without him. I invite Jesus to rescue me, like only he can. How do I do that? I pray for the Spirit. Um, Jesus teaches us in in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, that when we ask, he will respond. Uh, This is, it starts with a big compliment. If you then, who are evil, (laughs) know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Some of us here today have probably never prayed this before. And Jesus wants us to know that you can be certain that God answers that prayer. You must be born again. The good news is that you can be born again. And when you do, what follows is the kingdom of God. 